Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast for the Wilmington, Ohio Church of Christ. We pray that this message will inspire you and help you grow closer to God in your faith. Be sure to stick around after the message to find out more about how you can take your next best step. Enjoy the message. I had a dictionary, Mom. Does anybody know what I mean? I mean, I'd be reading in second grade and I'd come across a word that I didn't know what it meant. And I'd say, Mom, what does this mean? And she'd say, look it up in the dictionary. Anybody have a mom like that? Go look it up. Go find the big book. Children today have no idea. Because you had to go get this book Then in second grade weighed more than you, right? And you'd pull it out and you'd open it up and you'd, you had to know the alphabet already in order. You had to remember it. And you get A, B, C, and you get to the L's, and then you L, E, and then L, E, A, D, and there was a bold letter there, bold word there, and it would say L, E, A, D, and you'd read in parentheses, it would give you the pronunciation, lead, as in, I will lead you to a new place. And it'd give you a little definition of, you know, to show the way or to go in front of or and then below that was another bold word l e a d led the past participle of lead as in he will lead the horse he has led the horse that's the led he has led the horse what okay which was i mean you know so the present and the past are the same word. You, you find that elsewhere in the English language. And then there was another entry in bold letters. L-E-A-D. Lead. An ore found and metal. That you, what? Mom, what does this word mean? And then she would say this. We'll read it in context. Anybody been there? You're trying to figure out how things work or what something means and it doesn't make any sense unless you keep it in context. This year, we've been looking at practices of people of the kingdom of God. And we've been looking at one particular story in the book of Acts in chapter 4 that we've gone back to again and again because towards the end of that story, we read these practices of people in the kingdom of God. And here's the thing. The practices are good. But... Unless you are pursuing the person of Christ, the practices are just taking time. Now, don't get me wrong. Learning discipline for discipline's sake is good and can leave the door open for you to pursue the person of Jesus. But the practices of the people of God are for pursuing Christ. If you just do the practice and you're not pursuing Christ, then you're going to find the practices at some point are just disciplines. Not bad. They're still good. But at some point, you're going to want more. And sometimes it's hard when the practices are pursuing 
Christ and you discover Christ and you're finding Christ through these practices. And then some of us have been around long enough to know that sometimes those practices and the emotion and the feeling and the sense of Christ moving through those practices can wane and it can be confusing except in context so here's the thing as we look at the this section in chapter 4 and today we're going to look at Acts 4 verse 23 and 24 I, I want to start by laying out some context what we have to understand and we see this Although you can't, because that didn't come on at all. Let's see what happens here. I may be in trouble. That's a problem. All right, let's try this again. Pastor, I'm in trouble. All right, here we go. In context, here's what we're dealing with. We have two kingdoms. And as we finished out last year, Jacob did a fantastic job reminding us that all of this is about the kingdom of heaven. Everything we do, everything we pursue, everything we work on as a church is about pursuing the kingdom of heaven. The problem is there is another kingdom, and it is the kingdom of earth or the world. And in this kingdom, things are broken because an enemy was allowed into this kingdom to take over this kingdom so that he began to rule in this kingdom in ways that the people of this kingdom became captive to him. And no matter what they did to try to get back to the kingdom of heaven, they struggled to get back to the practices and kingdom of heaven because they needed someone to intervene. They needed a D-Day. Well, we celebrate that D-Day every year with a, you know, manger and a little baby, right? That's when heaven invaded the kingdom of earth. When God himself became flesh. Then we have the announcement of the invasion that it has happened and basically Jesus saying, we are here. And this is what Jacob talked about. The kingdom of heaven is here, it is at hand, it is available, it is right here present with you. And when he said that, he meant me, not me, Jesus himself. He meant himself, he was here. And then we had V-Day, when Jesus conquered and defeated our enemy once and for all. But here's the thing, while our enemy is defeated, He is not yet destroyed. And sometimes that's hard. But here's why he's not destroyed. When God arrives again and destroys our enemy once and for all, everyone he still has captive will be destroyed with him. God is not slow in returning as some people think. He is patient, wanting that none should perish. And between the destruction of our enemy and the defeat of our enemy, in between this place, he has sent us back into enemy territory 
to take back as many captives as we can take back into the kingdom of God before he returns. And so this battle between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of earth continues, and now we're on the winning side. But our enemy still has captives, and he is still fighting against us because he's not yet destroyed. And so sometimes we have to recognize what the enemy is doing so we can fight back and stand strong in the midst of the battle. In our story in Acts chapter 4, we see this clearly. The, the powers of the world, the powers of evil and darkness, who in the story are utilizing the high priest and the Sadducees, etc., come against the people of God. And so you have the, the enemies of God come against the people of God, because going against God is kind of a waste of their time. They'll, be destroyed immediately. But so they're coming against the people of God. So the people of God suffer. In Acts chapter 4, they are, they are persecuted. They are told to stop. They are arrested. They are put in prison. They are told to stop preaching in this name. In Acts chapter 5, they actually get beaten for preaching in the name of Jesus. They get flogged. And you know what? They celebrate that. Because they recognize We're on the victorious side, and the defeated enemy is just coming against us, which means we're on the right side of this thing, which is where we want to be, right? We want to be on the victorious side. In 2019, a little more context, some men and women who tend to spend their life on the front lines of our battle against the enemy in October, said, we believe that our enemy has released their forces in mass of death and destruction. Not that they aren't always in the world right now, but they've put them in force. Anybody remember what happened in 2020? Death and destruction hit our world in a way that we hadn't seen in 100 years. In fact, more than even 100 years ago because of the globalization of our economy and our travel. Then, this last year, they said, the end of 2023, they believe that confusion and chaos have now been released Against the people of God. Now, all this spiritual talk and spiritual battle talk may not be something you're used to. Uh, I've had to grow in it because I grew up in a church where we didn't talk about spiritual battle very often. If we did, it was just, I'm in the Lord's army and we moved on. But the fact is, we live in a world at war and our enemy is not yet destroyed and therefore he is fighting against us. And anytime we rise up to do more, to free more captives that he has in his grasp, he will fight back hard. Anybody struggled with confusion more than usual lately? You know, I seem to on a daily basis, and maybe it's just because I'm getting old, but Walk in the other room and forget why I'm there. 
And maybe it is just because I'm old, but I'm hearing it so much and it's happening so much that there's a question as to whether there's not something more going on than just the confusion in my brain. The epidemic rise of youth who think that their identity is somehow up for grabs because they don't understand the power of God giving you your identity when he created you in your mother's womb and knit you together. The epidemic rise in that confusion is so fast and so high, we have to say there's something else going on than just confusion. And I believe that these guys are right The enemy is attacking God's people with confusion and chaos. And the world with confusion and chaos because he wants to take more captives. Here's the problem. When we're confused, it's very easy to then find ourselves going, what's the point? But God has given us a strategy for fighting the confusion, for standing strong in the battle, and for understanding that in this context... We need a strategy in order to be victorious and come out the other side. And he's given us this strategy. You can see it played out in Acts chapter 2, or Acts chapter 4, sorry. Acts chapter 4, verse 23 and 24. After being under attack themselves, after being under attack themselves, Listen to what the apostles did. We're going to read verse 23 and 24, and then we're going to look at this strategy that God has given us for being strong when the enemy gets strong, when the enemy comes against us, when the battle gets fierce with the enemy in your life and around you, there is a strategy we have for standing strong against the enemy. And here it is. When they had been released, they went, there, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they lifted their voices to God with one accord. So here's the strategy that we need to employ if we're going to stand strong in this context. Number one, lean in. Lean in to the battle. Here's what I mean. Pray. Sometimes prayer seems like just a religious thing. But the Bible's very clear that this is how we do battle. In Ephesians chapter 6, where Paul is talking about the armor of God, and he tells us how to be fitted and prepared to move into battle. Listen, one of the things that hit me about Ephesians 6 about 20 years ago as I was reading through it was the armor is almost all defensive. There's only one weapon in the armor of God, and that's the sword of the word. Everything else is defensive. But you only wear armor when you leave the castle to go out into the war. If the war's not happening, there's no reason to put on armor. But if you're going into battle, you got to put on armor. And we are going into battle, and hopefully we are leading in battle. And as we do, we are given one weapon, and we are given a strategy. The weapon is the sword of the word, which, or the sword of truth, which is the word of God. And then, here's what Paul says immediately following that. Pray, pray, pray. That's the strategy. Pray, pray, pray that Paul gives us in Ephesians chapter 6. How do we pray in the midst of this struggle 
First of all, we have to understand this about prayer. Far too often, for far too long, and I am guilty of this as well, we have said prayer is talking to God. How many of you have heard that? Come on, be honest. How many of you have said that? Prayer is not talking to God. Prayer is talking with God. One of the things we have to learn to do in order to stand strong in the midst of a battle that is raging fiercely against us because we are going against the enemy to free more captives from his grasp before Jesus' return. And if you don't believe that's happening, all you got to do is watch the videos every week or somebody getting baptized again or somebody else giving their life to the church or somebody else committing themselves to Christ. All you got to do is see this morning in second hour as we dedicate babies to be raised in the name of Christ and you know we are going against the enemy to free souls from his grasp so that when Jesus comes back, he doesn't have them there with us. But it's talking with God, which means we need to learn how to tell God what we want and what we think and what we know and what we desire and what's going on in our lives and all our hurts and our pains and our struggles and lay all that before him and then shut up long enough to listen to what God has to say to you. We're not very good at that. I have a very, very close friend who cannot sit in a quiet room because he gets so agitated. Cannot sleep without a television or a radio on. I said, how do you spend time with God? He goes, I have to leave anywhere that can get me those signals. I have to go so far away from modern world that I'm out in the middle of nature and then I can hear from God. Boy, we struggle to slow down and just listen. And unfortunately, while we struggle with it, it's not that hard. We make it hard. We, we complicate it. And I, and I got to be honest, ladies, um, I don't want to speak for you because I'm not one of you. And so I don't want to get in your way. I know sometimes that the way your brains work, it's hard to slow down because your brains connect everything all the time. And that's just how you're made. And it's beautiful. And I'm glad God made you that way because we don't connect a lot of things we ought to. But guys, we make this awful hard for ourselves sometimes. We just stay busy. We keep doing and doing and fixing and doing and fixing something else and moving to the next thing and worried about the next person and trying to take care of the next person. And guys, we got to learn how to slow down. But it's not hard. It just takes practice. And it is a practice that can help you pursue Christ. It can also get in your way and mess you up and just be a practice if you don't pursue Christ through it. But I've been practicing something this week, and I'd like to practice it with you because it'll only take us two minutes. It's not going to make this thing run really long, but we're going to practice it. So here's what I want you to do. If you're comfortable, close your eyes. If you're not, it's okay. But I want you to breathe. And I want you to focus on your breathing because we don't usually focus on our breathing. But one of the things the Bible teaches is how to meditate on God. And so I want to show you how this works. A little bit of meditation and breathing is a part of that. So we're going to slow down. You can close your eyes if you want to. Now as you breathe, breathe in through your nose. And breathe out through your nose. And just focus on your breathing for a minute. Feel it coming into your lungs, 
Let your body relax. Jesus, when we slow down, when we open our ears to listen, there are a lot of voices around us. Some of them are in our head. Some of them are around us from the evil one in the air. So, Lord, right now, I ask that you will bind all other spirits and voices that would speak to us right now. And right now, Jesus, by, by prayer, I ask that you will be the only one to speak to our hearts and our minds right now. Now, I feel like I need to give you a little warning. When Jesus speaks, sometimes it sounds like you. That's not necessarily not God. Don't judge it. God's spirit speaks to our spirit, so sometimes it sounds like us. But it doesn't sound like things we would normally say. So breathe in and breathe out. And now ask God this question. You can do it out loud or quietly. God, what lies am I believing about you right now? And don't judge it. Don't overthink it. Trust that God is moving and speaking to your heart right now. If you need to, write it down. Don't edit it. And now, Jesus, please tell me what truth about you do you want me to hear right now? Take that truth and lean into it. Lean into what God is saying to your heart. Now that was quick. And it can work that quickly. For some of you, you may need more time. Over the last 10 days, seven times, I've done this and I've taken 20 minutes to work through this process. And you may not... You may struggle, like me, to find 20 minutes sometimes. That's why it took me 10 days to get through it seven times. (laughs) But you can ask God for truth, or ask God to reveal lies, and you can ask God to reveal truth, and he will. He will. Jesus makes this promise. Ask anything in my name, and it will be given to you. If you ask, you will receive the Holy Spirit. That's the promise. Do you think God doesn't want to talk to you? He wants to talk to you. But sometimes we have to slow down. And for some of us, it takes longer than one minute to do that. But I want you to know the practice. Just slow down. Ask God to speak and to shut out all other voices. And just listen. Don't edit. Don't overthink it. Don't give God. Don't say, God, why would you say that? Well, probably because you need to hear it and you don't want to. Okay? (laughs) That's a lot of times what I get. Um... Or I don't understand it yet. And then it reveals itself. 
But that's leaning in. Lean into the truths that God gives you and trust that he is speaking to you. He wants to speak with you. Slow down, listen. You do have to meditate a little bit. We do have to be silent a little bit. But when we lean in, we gain power, we gain truth, we gain life. We gain the ability to take that to other people and share it with them so that they can have truth and life as well. So that's the first strategy. They lifted up their voices to God and they, they, they have a specific prayer here that we've already talked about and it's a great prayer. But listen to me, this specific prayer that they have, okay, you can follow it, you can do it, you can follow the Lord's model prayer, you can follow any prayer, you can do what I just did. Just make sure after you're done talking, you stay long enough to hear what God has to say. Because in verse 31, we read this. And, they, and the place where they were gathered together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Because that's God's promise. If you ask anything in my name, I will give you my Holy Spirit. All right. The second thing we got to do. It hates me, I promise. Man. Might have to do something before second service. All right. Second thing we got to do. Number two. Is lock shields. Here's the thing. When the battle is fiercest, don't fight it alone. Do not fight this battle alone. This battle is difficult. The enemy is against us. And he wants to tear you down. And if you are alone, he will come at you and he will tear at you and he will cut you deeply. Now listen, if you believe in Jesus and you trust by faith in his grace, he will not defeat you because, the, because Christ is with you and his Holy Spirit is in you. But you are not supposed, we were not meant to walk this alone. There is one hero in this story and you aren't him and neither am I. So we're not supposed to do this alone. We're supposed to do this together. We're supposed to lock shields. Listen to what we were told they did when they had been released, they went to their own. That word there literally means the people that were close to them that they were walking through life with. They went to their own. You need people in your life who believe that Jesus is Christ, the Son of the living God, and will stand with you in the midst of this battle. They will fight with you no matter what comes your way. They will do whatever it takes to stand beside you and keep you strong. They will lock their shield with your shield so that their faith can lift you up when your faith is waning. You need people. Again, dudes, come on. The average man in America has less than one true friend. You need friends. Unfortunately, that number is rising in exponential ways for ladies as well. Ladies, you need friends in Jesus. People with whom you can stand side by side, lock shields, and move forward in this battle. The Romans, when they would do this, they would lock up, and this was like a Roman tank. Because they'd shoot arrows and throw rocks and everything else and you couldn't get to them until you got close. But if you got close, there weren't going to be any more arrows and rocks flying so they'd separate and then win their battles. They conquered nations by locking shields. And as Christians, we need to lock shields. Jesus does not want you to be alone. 
What if you don't have someone with whom to lock shields? Find them. Find a small group. Join. Introduce yourself to somebody. I know, it's hard sometimes. Doubt, we're not all extroverts like you. Listen, I wasn't always an extrovert either. When I was a kid, I was shy and backward and didn't want to talk to anybody. You know what I did? I sat on the front row of class because all the talkers were in the back. I'm not an extrovert by nature. I'm an extrovert by practice. And I've gotten so good at it, people think I'm an extrovert. But ask my wife, spend too much time with y'all, I got to go be alone. (laughs) Just kidding. I love everybody. But I get worn out. Listen, here's the thing. You need to take the risk. Reach out to somebody and reveal a little bit of yourself. You need somebody. I, I've been online working on this. I, I actually am trying to, I am preparing to start a project called the Friendship Project because I want people to have people. The loneliness epidemic in America, in my mind, is dumb. We can't, there are plenty of us. We can be friends. <laughs> if we learn how, we can do this. As Christians, we should be the first to be friends. And I ask this question, what does a true friend look like? Physically. And everybody went, well, physical looks don't matter at all for true friends. Okay. Then maybe your true friend is 15. And the reason you haven't met them is because they don't look like you or talk talk like you. Maybe your true friend speaks a different language. And you haven't made the effort to try to get to know them. Maybe your true friend is 70 and you're 45. There's a lot of 70-year-olds would love to be your friend. There's a lot of people over at Cape May would love to have you as a friend. There's no reason you should walk alone. I had a friend named Bob. Actually, he was Bobby. And Bobby was way older than me. But Bobby used to sit on his porch, and when my wife and I moved to the area, we were walking by Bobby's porch, and he invited me up on his porch. And because I went up on Bobby's porch, I met Bobby. And Bobby and I became friends. Man was 40 years older than me, but he was my friend. I could tell him anything, and he would support me. I could be there for him, and if he needed to tell me something hard, he'd tell me. And we'd go golfing, and he'd tell me how bad I was and make fun of me. He was a great friend. When he died, he gave me his golf clubs, which was good because mine were terrible. I also met... Ronnie, who was his friend, and Ronnie and I became friends. Ronnie was not, uh, had, Ronnie, when I met him, was still captivated by the enemy. And one week, being new to the area, I got my first opportunity to preach at church, and I said, hey, Ronnie, you should come hear me preach next week. And Ronnie said, well, I don't do a lot of church. I said, okay, I'm not asking you to do a lot of church, I'm asking you to do one Sunday, just come hear me preach. If you don't like it, don't come back. I won't be offended. Ronnie came to church and he ended up giving his life to Christ. One month after his baptism, he was diagnosed with cancer and passed away. And all it took was me walking up on a porch, reaching out my hand and saying, hi, my name is Dow. Take a risk, reach out and reveal something about yourself. And you could start 
one of the greatest friendships you ever had, and you could start something that doesn't last very long, but the truth is you won't be alone, and you shouldn't be alone. Find a small group at church. Meet somebody. Tell them something about yourself. Talk with God together. Listen to God together and hear from each other what God is doing. And watch God move in your lives. When you do this, you will learn that it's not that hard. And while everybody you lock shields with or try to lock shields with won't work, it won't always work. You'll find enough that when you really need it, you've got them. I've got nine. I really mess up the curve for other guys. I've got nine guys around the world, literally, because one of them's in Australia, that if I have a need in my life, I can call or text at any time, day or night. All but two of them will get back with me immediately. Those two said, I turn my phone off at night, but I'll get back with you in the morning. And a week ago, last Friday, I had a need. To the point that I, was, I felt like I was going to be crushed. Something came up. We had a need come up. And I felt like the enemy was just one more, one more swing. So I texted my nine. I said, guys, I just need you to pray. I just need you to pray. I don't need anything from you except your prayers and lock shields with me. Lean into this battle with me and and let's watch God move. One hour. My need had been met and exceeded. Now, that doesn't happen every time that quickly. But it does happen. Because I got people and I don't walk through this alone. And more than anything, I was encouraged because they were ready to say, whatever you need. Whatever you need, we're here with you. You are not alone. Find somebody to lock shields with. It is a dire part of living in this context and staying faithful to Jesus. Let's pray. Father, sometimes the battle just raises so fierce. Sometimes we're unprepared for what the enemy does to come against us. But Lord, we know that you are always with us. And whether we feel you or hear you directly speak to our hearts, Lord, we know you are there. But Lord, we want to hear from you. So Lord, I pray you will teach us to learn how to listen. And to lean into the battle you've given us. But Lord, you also want us to not walk alone. So Lord, I pray for every man and woman here who needs a friend in you to walk with, that you will show them somebody and that they will have the courage long enough, just long enough to introduce themselves to somebody new and you will make that person the right person so that they have someone they can lock shields with. God, as we continue to strive forward to reach as many captive souls as possible, to bring them into your kingdom so that when you come back, they will not be destroyed with our enemy, but will be saved from that destruction.
as you move in front of us and behind us and through us, help us to lean in and lock shields. It's in Jesus' name I pray. One of the things that helps us stay strong in the battle is to remember we're not defeated, our enemy is. And while we're in the middle of this, where our enemy's not yet destroyed, we have to remember he is defeated. And when he starts flexing his muscles and acting like he's all that, remember, he's already lost. He's a loser. And you can call it that. I, I, I don't recommend you call many people loser, but you can call our enemy a loser all you want, because he is. But one of the things that will help your soul is to remember we're already victorious through Jesus Christ. What does Revelation teach us? We have victory by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And every week here at church, we give you that opportunity to remember Victory Day. We call it communion. And all Christ has said is whenever you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Do this with the respect it deserves to honor the victory I have given you by my body and my blood. And on that night, when he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, broken for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. Let's remember his body broken for us. And he took the cup. And he said, this is my blood shed for you. Take and drink. And every time you do it, drink it in remembrance of me. I have Take the cup. And in spite, in spite of the fact that some days you feel overwhelmed and you feel like it's just too much. And in spite of the truth that there are still days when the enemy seems to win. He never wins if we remember Victory Day. He is defeated already. Stand strong. Lean in. Lock shields. We hope you have enjoyed this message. If you need someone to pray with you, talk to, or maybe you just want more information about our church, be sure to fill out a Connect card so we can reach out and help you take your next best step. Thanks again for joining, and we will see you back here next time.